Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. This episode is called Pricing for Calm SaaS Businesses. Today's sponsors are two businesses where I know the founders personally. And let's start with RailsDevs.com. You should hire your Ruby on Rails developers if you run a Ruby on Rails business with RailsDevs, the reverse job board exclusively for Rails developers. RailsDevs is an open source bootstrap platform that enables direct connections with 600 plus Ruby on Rails developers looking for the next job. So just skip the formal job posting and all these middlemen by hiring directly from a candidate pool of Ruby on Rails developers from juniors to C-level. Directly message them to create organic, genuine, honest conversations with higher response rates than professional networking sites or even cold email. Here's an example. Tate, the CTO of a digital care management platform, said that RailsDevs is like the convenience of working with a recruiter, but half the placement fees. So get started today at railsdevs.com. Joe, the founder, will personally help you find your perfect candidates. And was sponsored by another business that shines in making sure you find your perfect match. Microacquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace, and it's simply the most efficient way to sell a startup when you're ready to make your next move. Typically, as a first-time founder, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go through an acquisition. Microacquire wants to change that and empower founders when they're speaking with buyers and really help streamline this whole process of getting acquired for the maximum price and without any of the headaches that usually come with the process. To date, Microacquire has helped hundreds of startups successfully get acquired, and they have facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume. So if you're thinking about selling a startup, you want to check out Microacquire at microacquire.com. So just go there to learn more. And now let's get started. One of the biggest points of confusion for any software business is pricing. It often takes months, if not years, to find the working way to charge your customers, and even then, you'll need to adjust it over time. Pricing is never done, and often, it doesn't quite work. But fortunately, there are a few foundational choices that you can make to keep your pricing efforts calm and manageable. So today, We'll look at what dimensions to price along, what kinds of subscriptions to offer, and which pricing models you might want to avoid. People pay no more than what they think your service is worth. It's all about their value perception. And that's something you can influence in two significant ways. You can either promise them an incredibly impactful solution or let them see it for themselves and realize how valuable it is. And as a self-funded business owner, spending your focus on allowing your customers to use the perfect product will be much easier than spending thousands of dollars that you don't have on advertising and other pay-to-play kind of marketing. By no means does this suggest that you shouldn't do any marketing. If you don't tell people what you offer, they can find you. But the actual value of a self-funded business lies in its product, not its promises. The thing you offer will either convince a prospect to buy or it won't, and you set the price. But you're not the only entity determining how much you can charge. Your customers have a certain expectation of acceptable prices for a product in your space. Those numbers don't come out of thin air. They were established by your direct and indirect competitors. 
Direct competition is the business next door that builds a similar product to yours, likely the company that people are using right now to mostly solve their problems. Indirect competitors are generic tools, often so generic that you might not expect them to be a competitor at all. A Notion template, Google Docs, or pen and paper. Those solutions set the expected prices in the minds of your prospects. The question is now, can you charge as much as your competitors, or maybe even more? One metric impacts this answer to this question like no other, the value metric. In the most basic terms, it's the number that goes up for your customer when they experience success. If you serve restaurant kitchens, for example, it might be the number of meals that they can serve in an hour. Are your customers editors? Then it's probably the number of words they can go through and fix on any given day. There are two price alignments that you should consider here. The first is to align your most vital value metric with your prices. If you offer multiple tiers, and you probably should, your customers should be encouraged to buy the more expensive tier whenever their value metric figures increase significantly. When they win, you win. The other alignment is with your cost metric, your expenses, so that users who incur a lot of cost for you also get charged appropriately. And founders often forget that. If you're an email service provider, you will probably want to charge per email sent, as every new email costs you a tiny amount of money to send. A video storage platform might charge per gigabyte downloaded or uploaded, as they likely pay more for streaming data than for storing it. Whatever increases your expenses the most as it's being used should be aligned with how much you charge to people using it. In either case, you're looking at a price value alignment. The price has to take into account the value metric to benefit from customer success and the cost metric to not be hindered by customer usage. And of course, you can't just put up random prices either. Beyond your customers' expectations, they also hopefully have purchasing agency. And that's important because there's a lot of nuance here. Before you come up with prices, you should ask yourself if there's a budget or at least the interest to create one for your solution. Who sets that budget and who has the power to make a purchasing choice? Often those positions are filled with different people. And even more often, you likely build a product that is being used by people without that purchasing agency. Remember that you'll have to price for those with the final say in that chain of operations. A team lead might be more willing to pay $200 every month for a tool that a single developer might never purchase, but you will have to convince both. The calm approach here is to spend a lot of time understanding the motivations and existing approaches to solving the problem that you set out to build a business around. Find the people who buy things in your industry and figure out what and why they buy. Figure out who has the potential to convince them to purchase and how you can support their argument. If you build for developers, but you sell to team leads, give your developer prospects a guide to encourage the team leads to buy. Make it easy for them to sell your product to the people with purchasing power in their own businesses. And when in doubt, just be inspired by the pricing spectrum of your competitors. They have done that research already for their own business and people in the industry are used to the prices that they set. And one thing about being used to stuff, the permanence of prices, your initial pricing will likely not be what you charge after a few years. Your product will grow and you'll have found a specific niche or even expand it into other industries. Price acceptance in a field might also change as new technologies become commonplace and people get used to paying for them. 
things change and you should revisit your prices regularly. Once or twice a year is usually a good idea. Calm pricing in particular is resilient to the ups and downs of daily operations in your business. After all, that's what creating recurring revenue through monthly subscriptions is all about. But a lot can happen from one month to another. A calm founder seeks more stability. One of the best ways of implementing that into your pricing strategy is to offer annual plans in addition to your monthly subscription tiers. Yearly plans, annual plans, 12-month plans, whatever you call them. They are a way for your customer to invest long-term into your service for a substantial or small discount and for you to front-load revenue. The money you have today is money you can immediately invest back into your business. Not offering a 12-month option means that you'll be defenseless against any kind of churn that might come your way unexpectedly. If you can convince your customers to pay upfront for a year, your runway to deal with any changes in your business is just so much longer. And yet, where there is long-term commitment, there's a problem. What if you change your pricing along the way? What do you do with your legacy customers? And there are a couple schools of thought here. Some founders keep their old prices around for those customers indefinitely by showing their gratitude for being early adopters. That's usually the argument. Other founders phrase their terms and conditions so that they can arbitrarily adjust prices for annual subscriptions to match current rates. Most founders are in between these two extremes. Here's what we did at Feedback Panda when we increased our prices by 50%. We allowed our legacy customers to keep their old prices for a year and then adjusted them to the new price. We also used that announcement as a last-minute opportunity for monthly customers to upgrade to annual pricing, locking in the previous lower price for a year. This way, we showed gratitude and had a substantial influx of expansion revenue at the same time. And while this time-limited legacy pricing might cause a few old customers to churn, I recommend framing this internally as a good thing. Your software gets better over time, and so you should be able to adjust your prices without having people threaten to cancel. Those who do that don't see the value in your work, and it's a good idea to let those demanding customers go. And a quick side note here about adjusting plans over time and what that means for how you build your product on a technical level. When it comes to implementing pricing, Many inexperienced founders make the mistake of hard-coding each pricing plan's limits and permissions into the software itself. You'll find specific numbers and feature flags in many beginner SaaS code bases. I made those mistakes myself, so you'll find that in old versions of my code base. And when I implemented new plans, or wanted to allow for custom permissions, I had to completely rebuild the implementation of my pricing tiers. You can solve this from day one by making limits and permission configurable options on the account level. Instead of checking their subscription plan, set a few same defaults and then have a nested object or keyword lists of limits and allowed behaviors in the account data, in the database. This way, you can manually adjust them on a per account level and introduce new pricing plans with new capabilities without having to remove or migrate the old ones. Preparation like this is key when it comes to your long-term pricing strategy. And if you want a calm business from day one, you'll have to do these things, implement annual plans and configurable account permissions. But if you want to calm business a few years from now, you have to avoid pricing time bombs. And there are several pricing strategies that look lucrative but come with time-delayed risk. The freemium model 
is relatively popular among software-as-a-service businesses. And it makes sense, offering a thinned-down version of your service for free will eventually attract customers who need more and are willing to pay for it. But the key word here is eventually. The most considerable risk for freemium SaaS is that the numbers of free users can overwhelm you. If you can't produce the necessary conversions, the cost of keeping free users around might turn your business into a financial disaster. And the solution here is to set extremely strict limits and start charging the moment someone uses your product professionally. It might be a nice idea to hope for word-of-mouth marketing to happen, but if your business drains your bank account while you're hoping, it's not a business, but a really badly run charity. And similarly, be extremely careful with lifetime deals. They can sabotage your future revenue. If too many of your customers snag such a one-time deal and stick with using your service, their loyalty can be your downfall. At some point, the money they paid will be used up, as you have recurring monthly expenses when they're using your product. If you can't compensate for those costs with equally recurring revenue from other customers, your business will be in negative revenue quite quickly. Consider that lifetime might also mean something different to you than what your customers may expect. Is it the lifetime of your product, the whole business, or just the current version, maybe even the lifetime of your customer themselves? This needs to be communicated clearly ahead of time so that once that lifetime has expired, you can move your customer to a recurring plan or have them stop using the product. Unlimited usage of a product that costs you money every month to maintain that's dangerous. Similarly dangerous is charging too little. Underpricing is also self-sabotage. It reduces the quality perception of your prospects. If something is too cheap, they'll consider it a subpar product, and that usually leads to a lower price acceptance, which will bite you when it's time for customers to upgrade. It's generally a good idea not to engage customers who don't value your work. Pricing is complicated, obviously, and you can't really ever get it right. Most businesses out there just constantly experiment with their prices, and the ones that don't are either dead or quickly overtaken by others. Now, for a bootstrapper, this is just one more thing that has very little to do with actually solving the problem they set out to, but it needs to be on your radar most of the time. Fortunately, there are tools out there like ProfitWell or Biometrics that give you data-driven insights into your subscriptions. And these services even offer analysis and cohort ranking tools from which you can infer certain things about your customers that then can lead your price exploration. And this is something you'll need to return to every now and then. And after all, if you could charge twice as much and only have like 20% of your customers churn, you're leaving money on the table that should be yours and would even ultimately increase the perceived value of your services. So think about pricing and charge what you're worth. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootsa Founder podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You find my books here to sold, The Better Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find your following there as well. If you want to support me and the Bootsa Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It would really help me in the show. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.